Lockhart, Hugh Riley, John Provost as Timmy, and of course, Lassie. When I was a kid, I used to watch Lassie, you know, and, and Fury and uh, all these other TV shows that, you know, people have never heard of that are under the age of 50. Lassie was always up in the lookout tower with Timmy and Mrs. Martin. Headquarters, Calverton Tower calling. Hello, Calverton. I've been trying to raise you. I don't like to leave that tower empty. Well, I just got here. Uh, keep a sharp eye out, Mrs. Martin. The humidity has dropped down to 20. If it goes much lower, we're up to have some trouble. Well, it's as clear as a bell right now. Now, let's hope it stays that way. Over and out. Mom, what's this thing? Uh, this is an Osborne Firefinder. When you see smoke, it helps you locate the exact position. And they would spot a fire, and Lassie would run down and, and put the fire out or rescue all the animals or the rangers or whoever. You know, I just always, always thought that was kind of cool. Hey, this is Robert, and welcome to The Outfall, where we share the backstories of our water world. In this episode, we go on the front lines of a drought from a unique vantage point, a fire tower. Tim Cash, a retired career public servant with the Georgia Environmental Protection Division, shares his eye-opening adventures of manning a fire tower for the U.S. Forest Service this past year. In this first episode, Tim describes how he became a lookout and a little bit about the lookout structure itself. Went in to see my high school counselor. I said, you know, I don't know what it is I want to do. And he said, well, what'd you want to do when you were a kid? And I said, I always wanted to sit in a lookout tower and look for fires. He said, well, you know, I know this great little school down in South Georgia called Abraham Baldwin Agricultural College, and they have a, a forestry program down there. So I was able to get in there and went into forestry and then uh, got out of uh, school, went, spent two years up at the University of Georgia getting my uh, bachelor's in forest uh, hydrology, uh, got out, got a job almost completely unrelated to forestry, uh, spent 40 years working at the Environmental Protection Division, and never once sat on a lookout tower. Isn't this how life works out sometimes? You put your childhood passions on hold as you raise a family, have a career, save for retirement. Somehow, Tim did not forget about his dream. Decided to, uh, to apply, I got the job. I told them the Lassie story when they interviewed me and they said, we gotta have you. So I, I did that in 2016 on the Tahoe National Forest. Last year, stuck at home during the pandemic, kind of got cabin fever and wanted to do the lookout thing again. So I reapplied and got a job this past fire season working on the Plumas National Forest uh, in California. So that's sort of, you know, how I got into the business. That's amazing. You know, if you had told me the Lassie story, I would have hired you too. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the, uh, when I, the first interview, I, I told the Lassie story and the guy said, you know, hey, look, we got to have you. <laughs> so. Tim left his house early on Memorial Day this past year. He drove over 2,000 miles to Portola, California, which lies on the eastern slope of the Sierra Nevadas, about 50 miles northwest of Reno. 
This is a wild area filled with granite peaks, glacier lakes, streams, and forests. His final eight miles was a bumpy dirt road that took him an hour and a half to get up the side of a mountain. Finally, he was at his new home at 7,800 feet above sea level, a fire tower with a commanding view in all directions. You're, you're carrying all your gear up there, usually backpack and you know what you can carry in your hands, all your food, clothes, you know, bedding and all that stuff. Lookout I was in this year was built in 1936 by the Civilian Conservation Corps, uh, as were uh, hundreds of these things during the 30s. It sits on a rock foundation, and then there is a, a bottom floor in the lookout where you have, you have a water tank, a water pump that's operated by solar power. You have a shower and a hot water heater in the basement. And then you have all the electronic and electrical equipment, uh, the batteries, the inverter for the solar panel, all that's in the basement. Most lookouts are not this commodious. Uh, a lot of them, the other two that I worked in did not have showers in the basement. And, you know, it was, they were pretty, pretty Spartan. This lookout was you know, very well accommodated. And then you walk up a, a short flight of steps. There were 16 steps. I counted them over and over again, you know, over the course of five months. You walk up a, a short flight of 16 steps to a, a catwalk that goes all the way around the the building. And the building is 14 by 14, and it's enclosed all four sides are enclosed in glass. Directly underneath the lookout, there is a benchmark uh, underneath the floor of the, of the lookout that is the exact center of the lookout building. And then over the top of that is what we call an Osborne firefighter. I don't know if it was named for what? any... Yeah, I don't know if it was named for an Osborne uh, ancestor, but... Uh, it's basically a, an alidade, and now what's uh, an alidade? <laughs> an alidade is a it's simply a map, a circular map of the area that you can see from the lookout, and it has a a rotating uh, disc on it that is graduated with all of the ordinate directions, north, south, east, and west. So that when you turn the uh, sight, there's like a, a sight that you look through on the top of the alidade, and it will point. You can point it directly at a smoke if you if you spot a smoke, and it will show you look on the map beneath the sight, and it will tell you where that where that smoke is. Uh, gives you a distance and a bearing, and once you have the distance and bearing, you can call that in. That. Firefinder is like the, it's like the heart of the lookout. It's the centerpiece of the lookout. It sits right in the middle of the floor of the lookout, and it is directly over the benchmark that's underneath the um, floor of the lookout. So you have precise directional location of, of smokes. So I understand um, the directional. I can under, I, I could get that that'd be pretty ac accurate, but how does it do distance? Is that as accurate? Uh, the distance is less accurate. It requires knowledge of the landscape. You you have to be able to recognize features and match those, you know, landscape features and match those up with landscape features on the, the map that's on the firefighter. So that requires uh, okay. study, learning, and skill. You sit down and study topographic maps. You know, you just try to match up features on the ground with features on the map. And then if you have another lookout in the area, 
and they can see the same smoke that you're seeing, they can use their firefinder to sight in on that. And when your line and their line cross, you have a precise location. That you can sense, locate. Yeah. So if you have two, two or more lookouts, and we did, we had, I had three, three lookouts that could see the same area that I was in. So if we all spotted, if we could all see the same smoke, you can put a smoke within, you know, 10 feet where you see it. Nice. Very, you know, it's very accurate. Uh, But if you're, if you're the only one that can see the smoke, sometimes you can be off. I mean, you can, you know, you can be off a half a mile. So how many miles could you see? The most prominent feature I could see uh, was Mount Lassen to the north, northwest, and it was 65 miles. And I could see the rim, the Tahoe rim, around the rim of mountains around Lake Tahoe, which was about 50, 55 miles. So cool. You can really only accurately locate a smoke within about a 30-mile radius of the lookout. So... Um, you've, you've got a large area, you know, that you're responsible for covering. Very large. So the rest of the lookout, so when you walk up the catwalk, the catwalk goes all the way around. It's about a two-foot wide, three-foot wide uh, walkway. And you open the door, go in. You have a bed. You have a stove. You have a gas stove. You have a, a gas a refrigerator. A double sink with running water, propane heater, a table, you know, to a desk to sit at and work on. So all the comforts of home, kind of. <laughs> it's it's still pretty, you know, it's still pretty rough, but it's uh, you get to live there rent free. So yeah, you're you're sitting on top of this big pile of rocks, seventy eight hundred feet above sea level. The only friends you have are hummingbirds, uh, chipmunks, uh, occasional bear will wander by uh, down below deer or all kinds of birds and you'll have uh, sometimes you'll have 10 15 visitors a day sometimes you'll go an entire week without seeing anybody yeah as a kid we um, hiked in the Gila wilderness that you were talking about and I remember passing one of the fire towers and this was a quite remote one sort of in the wilderness and I didn't know if anyone was in there or not I didn't know if we could or should knock on the door what's what's sort of the proper etiquette? for uh, approaching a fire tower? Well, proper etiquette is announcing yourself because a lot of times the lookout can't hear you coming. You know, I've had people just you know, appear on the catwalk, you know, and it's it's a little startling, you know, when someone just, you know, just appears. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. Most of the time you can see people coming, but sometimes you can't. And, and then we have, uh, we've had nighttime visitation uh, from, uh, pretty sketchy characters. Uh, you know, we've had uh, at one lookout I worked at on the Tahoe National Forest. Um, normally when people come up, they step up on the lookout if they've never been there. Their first thing out of their mouth is like, wow. You know, yes. they see the view. And then, so how, all right. So walk us through a day. I mean, I mean, it sounds easy, right? Okay. I'm just looking out for fires, but obviously I'm missing a few things. I mean, how do you stay regimented? One of the mottos of the lookout is um, always a dull moment because it's 90% boredom and 10% excitement. (laughs) 
it is a very boring job. Um, it, um, it begins early in the morning uh, when the sun first comes up because when you're living in a glass box on top of a mountain, there's no place to hide from the sun. <laughs> it, it comes up early. So you roll out of bed and make breakfast and make coffee and then try to squeeze in a, a nice long walk. Uh, you, the walk in the morning walk or evening walk is uh, it's all downhill in <laughs> the first half and then it's all uphill the second half because <laughs> uh, there's nowhere else to go. And then uh, at 930 is when you actually sign on, sign on duty at 930 in the morning. You go on the radio and you tell the emergency operations center that you're active and live. Then the rest of the day is just spent scanning the horizon or the area for smokes. Then usually you're off duty at uh, six o'clock at night, 1800 hours. That's when you get out and go for a walk, uh, stretch your legs, you know, start cooking supper, take a shower, kick back and, you know, read yourself to sleep at night. So we have gas lighting in the lookout. And so there's light at, at night. And that's pretty much a day. Um, there's always things to do. What you, there are a lot of windows to wash. You get very good at washing windows. Um, <laughs> and there's usually just little repairs to do, you know, small repairs. We want to thank Tim for joining us and describing the lookout. Please take a look at the pictures in the show notes. He's blessed us with lots of pictures. For me, this Osborne Firefinder tool is amazing. It's analog technology at its best. Think about it. This tool has been in service since 1915. In the next episode, Tim talks about fires and other challenges he's faced in the lookout. And that fire took off uh, that day. Over the course of a couple of weeks, it burned over 100,000 acres. There were days when it was burning 35 to 40,000 acres a day. Thanks again for listening to The Outfall. As always, we love to hear your comments. So if you enjoy our podcast, please help us subscribe on your favorite podcast player and share the podcast with a friend. We'll see you next time.